Welcome to Primal Screen. This is your host, Nick Greystone. For the next hour, we're going to talk about fantasy, reality, and everything in between. Let's go. Hey, what up, kitty kitties? It's been a while. I missed you. Well, here I am, back in the flesh. Episode 3 and uh, of Primal Scream with Nick Greystone. Yes. Like always, I'm yes. Nick Greystone. So how's everybody been? Uh, I got lots to talk about tonight. Um, yeah, just a lot of cool stuff, a lot of some sad stuff, and uh, like always, entertaining stuff as well. So hope everyone is good. Uh, I'm hanging in there, but we'll get into that. Um, so yeah, we ha- like I said, we have a lot to talk about. Um, so like two weeks ago, me and Zoe, uh, had an awesome weekend together. We actually started out going to, uh, medieval times and, uh, I haven't been there since like senior, when I was a senior in high school, it was like our senior class trip or whatever. And, uh, it was it was a blast, you know. Uh, we had such a fun time. Uh, we were in the section for the white and black uh, night, and um, so Zoe loves tomato soup. She's like one of these kids, man. She's definitely my daughter. She doesn't like really. She's not a picky eater or whatever. So they give you the appetizer of like tomato soup, right? So like she. Gobbles it down. Didn't matter if it like singed her like vocal cords. It was hot or whatever. She you know drinks it and she looks at me. She's like, Daddy, you know, you think they uh, they got some more like uh, tomato soup? So I'm like, Yeah, whatever. I'll ask the guy. So the guy comes over and I'm like, Listen, you got any more tomato soup? So he's like, Yeah, sure. So he gives me the tomato soup for her and then he asks if I want it. So I'm like, Sure, yeah, I'll, I'll have the tomato soup too. So we both had double tomato soup. Then we eat the the dinner, which is like chicken with your bare hands and like you know uh some potatoes and stuff kind of greasy and uh we're watching you know we're watching the fights and the you know, the festivities or whatever all of a sudden i start getting the gurgles and i'm like holy shit i'm gonna like totally shit my pants with that zoe pokes me and she's like daddy i gotta go to the bathroom really bad and i'm like all right so we have to leave the competition so now me and my kid are playing battle shits next to each other <laughs> and we're missing the competition so we have to get back upstairs so now maybe there's about another like 10 minutes left i sit down all of a sudden i get the fucking worst charlie horse in the world now i don't know if you've been to medieval times, but the way how it's set up is it's kind of, you know, me anywhere is a tight squeeze. So this is a real tight squeeze for me. I'm in there and I'm like trying to keep my legs straight because the Charlie horse is going on and I'm like trying to like wiggle around. And I just look at Zoe. I'm like, oh, baby, I'm sorry. I got to get up. I got to walk this off. So we ended up missing the, uh, the crowning ceremony, but you know, in hindsight, it didn't matter because our knight got his ass kicked. He got killed a little bit before that, so he definitely wasn't winning. So uh, we had to leave because of Charlie Horse. And uh, But we, all in all, we, we had a great time. So the reason why we were in Jersey, actually, because it was the next day we were going to a convention. And um, 
we ran into some very cool uh, meet and greets. Uh, we ended up meeting the uh, the cast of the cult classic uh, Fright Night. You see that uh, picture I put up right there? That's uh, Chris Sarandon with the mask on. And uh, Marcy Darcy from uh, Married with Children is to the left. She's, uh, she's in that movie. She plays Amy. And uh, Stephen Jeffries plays Evil Ed. He's in the picture. Jonathan Stark was uh, Chris Sarandon's best friend. He plays uh, in the movie as well as uh, Charlie Brewster, who's um, oh my God, I can't even, I can't recall his name right now. I can't. Oh man, I'm going blank. It'll come back to me. Anyway, the woman that's standing next to him plays his mom. Now I never knew this, but she has a little small cameo in Jaws. She was originally supposed to play Chrissy Watkins, but they needed a stunt woman. You know, the girl gets killed in the beginning of the movie. But they ended up putting her when there's the mass hysteria at the beach. And she's deadpanning looking in the camera. And she's just like, oh, my God. And she freaks out. She's the one that starts screaming. And then everyone starts screaming because they think there's a shark that's in the movie. William Ragsdale, that's the dude. That's his name. Well, anyway... And Dar- uh, Dorothy Felding, she's uh, she's the woman that played uh, Charlie's mom. Very awesome uh, meet and greet to meet them. You know, it's a cult classic for me. I love that movie. And then um, we ran into uh, the uh, Grim Collective. That's uh, they have a all they have a great following on YouTube. They actually did a review on the uh, the Forest Hills. They filmed it for us. And Zoe's been watching their. Uh, their sh- their channel and she's a big fan so uh they remembered me from the uh the screening which was pretty cool kind of felt uh you know cool in front of my kid cuz they uh you know I asked about the movie or whatever which if you're inquiring it is in the final stages right now to being signed and distributed we're looking into doing some blu-ray release as well if you're into it send a dm to me with your uh email address and I can get you that information so, um, yeah, that was a cool little meet and greet. And then we, uh, we saw Eric Roberts and Eric Roberts, uh, he's in one of my favorite movies of all time. I haven't seen it in a while, but I just recently watched it again. And that's the Pope of Greenwich village. Uh, he plays, uh, next to Mickey Rourke. Uh, and it's just a very funny movie. He's very eccentric in the movie and there's so many quotes and uh, one of my favorites is when he's talking about the suit in the beginning. So I mentioned that to him, and he had a cool picture from that movie. So he signed the picture for me, and uh, I got that frame now. So uh, it was cool meeting him, and he loves Zoe. He was, you know, he was asking me, you know, like, oh man, where did she get a style from? It's not a, you know, he, he was like, it's not, can't be a secret. It's got to be from you. And I'm like, nah, man, she works a room just like herself, so she's her own person. But uh, it was definitely cool. Uh, meeting him so it was a great weekend and on sunday um we were ready to come home and i was getting ready and all of a sudden i was in the shower and zoe's knocking on the door and she's like hey daddy you got a phone call from a, um from a friend named terry now terry was a mutual as a mutual friend i really don't talk to terry very often but uh terry was calling me because uh he heard a rumor that a um one of my friends had uh had passed away so i was in shock because i hadn't hurt anything but uh my uh 
turned out to be true. My good friend uh, Michael Porciello, uh, aka Michael Myers at uh, Schmidt's Farm Haunt, uh, passed away untimely at uh, at age forty nine, and uh, it's just been a rough week dealing with that. You know, when you have relatives that pass away, and you know they're older in age and stuff. Uh, that's just how life is. But you know, when when you go to a, a wake that's of a close friend and, uh, you know, someone close to your age really hits home. And, uh, this is just a guy that was just so, um, you know, such a nice guy, man. Like just always checked in on me when I was, you know, down and out with stuff going through, you know, the last couple of years. And, um, it was just a real shock to me to hear that he had passed away. Um, I'm definitely going to miss him and his crazy, uh, crazy antics that he would do he would talk backwards and we would talk about horror movies and we just got each other you know so uh mike if you are listening i know uh you're close by bro i i miss you man and you're definitely one in a million man like you know there's never gonna be anyone like you brother and uh i appreciate all the uh all the fun times that we had and everything dude so uh yeah, sorry to uh, start this podcast off on a uh, a somber note, but uh, I wanted to uh, give a tribute to uh, to my good friend. So yeah, that's uh, that's to Mike Porciello. Uh, I hope you uh, you rest in peace, my friend. So um, from there, dude, the the Reaper did not stop. You know, like then I hear which. It didn't affect me, obviously, as much as my friend, but there was two wrestlers that, you know, I looked up to, you know, growing up to one, and then I really became attached to another one because he had a cool uh, character. But, yeah, Terry Funk passed away at age 79. I heard he was sick. It wasn't really much of a shock. But the next guy that passed away is Bray Wyatt. Uh, His real name is uh, Wyndham Rotunda. Uh, Famous... uh, wrestler his dad uh mike rotunda he was uh tag champions with um windham back in the day barry windham and uh, he was also gone on to be irs but you know it's not about him it's about uh bray bray was uh a character as soon as he came out uh he was part of the wyatt family he was like kind of like a cult following and uh he went into uh do another character the fiend and uh yeah he passed away at um believe at age uh 37 and uh what happened was he uh he had some heart issues once he uh he had he got contact you know had covid and uh he um developed some heart issues from there and um i guess he just never fully recovered so uh yeah rest in peace terry funk and rest in peace bray wyatt all right, so now that we got oh, and Bob Barker too. Bob Barker got the closest to a hundred that you could possibly get, so the price was definitely right for him. He lived a nice long life, ninety nine years old. Rest in peace, Bob Barker. Like you're the man, dude. I I loved you. So hopefully the Reaper uh, takes a vacation because it was just way too much. So all right, we'll uh, shake all that off and get all those tributes out of the way. Um, I wanted to, uh, talk about now based on true stories. Um, 
I picked five, four movies and one TV miniseries to talk about this week. And um, it's based on true events. So I picked my five, not favorites, but five very great adaptations of based on true events. The first one I'm going to talk about is the Dahmer uh, miniseries. Uh, now this... Even with me that does not get squeamish with things, like I have a very, uh, you know, I, 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 could take, I could take watching crazy stuff and all that, but this was like a hard watch at times because Evan Peters totally transformed himself into Jeffrey Dahmer. Now, you guys know that I'm into the true crime and stuff, and I know so much about this case that uh, just watching him recreate all this... Uh, they really, you know, they really did a great job with this. It was it was a little Hollywoodized, you know. They did alter some things, but it just made the storytelling a little bit better, I believe. Uh, each episode totally leaves you gutted. Uh, there's a Tony episode in it about how, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer uh, really became close to one of his victims before he ultimately decided to kill him like the other... Uh, 16 that he ended up uh, tallying up. He ended up killing 17 men back in Milwaukee. Um, and he also killed one, 16 in Milwaukee and uh, one in Ohio. But, uh, yeah, just a um, an unbelievable miniseries that's available on Netflix. So if you haven't watched it, I can't recommend it, it for everyone. But if you really want to find out a little bit about Jeffrey Dahmer and, like, how this is a... Uh, a good introduction to that, then maybe you could go back and watch some of the live clips on YouTube and see how great that Evan Peters, he ended up winning awards for it, actually. I believe uh, he's up for an an Emmy right now, but I know he won the Golden Globe and um, some other awards. So moving right along, um, my next one is Goodfellas. Now, Goodfellas arguably arguably is the greatest... um, gangster movie of all time i know you know people throw their names in the ring and obviously you know godfather is one of them goodfellas is the other one and i guess the closest other to that is scarface which i've talked about last week or the last time i was on but this movie you know prime de niro pesci ray liotta's role of a lifetime uh you know scorsese was robbed for not winning the oscar for this movie like fucking dances with wolves one like <laughs> dancing with motherfucking wolves like i understand it's a great story and everything but come on dude i mean this movie from start to finish is just phenomenal character actors as like it's all wrapped up in one movie it's not like a saga like the godfather you know the um the soundtrack is unbelievable. Like I just every time I think about Goodfellas, I think about two key parts in that movie. The first one being Robert De Niro when he's smoking the butt and Sunshine of Your Love is on by Cream, and he's you know deciding whether or not he's going to kill Maury that night. You know, and just the way that he's looking, and like you can see like he's in a conversation, but he's not paying attention. He's like looking off to the side, dude. Uh, De Niro is just. He's swinging for the fences with his uh, his acting, and I don't even 
think that he's even like overacting. It's just perfect acting, you know. And the other scene is the Copacabana walk-in. Um, I had said that I met Lorraine Bracco a couple of weeks ago, and I ac- actually asked her about that because you know it's that steady cam shot where they start from the outside of the of the club and they walk through the corridors and all through the. Uh, you know, different entrances, and you're like, hey, I remember you, you know, hey, you, what are you two up to? And, like, you know, he's giving the 50 to everybody, and then they ultimately end up in the club, and they set the table up. She said that that was done 17 times and 17 takes because something along the way would fuck up. You know, someone would say something or step the wrong way, and Scorsese, um, I don't know if he's so much of a perfectionist, but he just wants things done the way that he wants them done. You know, like she said one scene, one take was fucked up because she forgot to say her one line at the end. And it was like an awkward pose. So they're like, ah, shit, we just filmed this thing for like three and a half minutes and it was perfect. But you fucked up your line and we don't want to cut, you know, and insert it because he wanted it done in one shot. So, uh, yeah, that's just something like, you know, uh, but yeah, Goodfellas totally based on a uh, true story about the uh, Lufthansa heist back in the uh, 70s. Um, keeping with the vibe in New York, I'm going to uh, go into uh, another great classic, Dog Day Afternoon from 1975. So this one was based on the 72 robbery and hostage situation led by John Witowitz. Who's played by Al Pacino and Salvatore Natriali, who's played by John Casale at a Chase Bank in Brooklyn. So the motive was to help Wotix pay for a secretly reassign- sexual reassignment for his uh, his lover Leon, who is played by Chris Sarandon. Um, so that really was a true story. Like you see that done. You know they they talk about that in the movie. And uh, just, you know, the the way that it panned out, you know, naturally was killed at the in the bank robbery, like towards the end. I don't know. They didn't get as far as to JFK. I believe they did everything right outside the bank. So they did like Hollywoodize that a little bit. But, you know, that's another like quotable movie. Like Charles Durning is brilliant as the detective in that movie. And, uh, you know, just you could feel like when you're watching it, it's a long, hot summer day. You could see them like sweating and everything. And like it's just drawn out. And the lines that are coming out of Al Pacino, you know, Attica, Attica. And like, kiss me. I like to get kissed when I'm getting fucked. When they're trying to give him a deal and he knows that they, he's just, they're trying to lead him out. So just a little background on that story. Um, so. John, he was offered a deal for pleading guilty, which the court did not honor back in 1973. So he was sentenced to 20 years in Lewisburg Federal, which he only served five. So he was paid $7,500 plus 1% of the film's net profits for the story rights. So this is before the Son of Sam uh, laws because criminals are not supposed to like make any bank off of their crimes if they make a true story about it. So I guess he was in the right time because he only did five out of 20, which isn't bad. But this is where the uh, it kind of gets fucked up because he, he really took the money 
and he paid for his lover to get sexually reassigned. So Leon ended up um, doing the, the surgery, and she ended up leaving him after she got the surgery done. She didn't wait for him or anything. So it's kind of sad, you know, like this guy, like, dedicated his life to help his lover pay for, you know, the reassignment, and then she ended up leaving him. That kind of sucks. And it leaves like a, you know, makes it even a little, a little bit more of a tragedy. Uh, he was released from prison back in 78, but he was arrested again and served two more sentences for parole violations in 84 and from 86 to 87. Leon, who ended up turning into uh, his um, female name was Eden. Uh, she married someone else and she ended up dying of AIDS uh, on September 29, 1987. And John Wodiak died of cancer uh, January 2nd, 2006, while living with his mom at age 60. So uh, that was just a weird uh, tale. Um, the next movie that I'm going to talk about right now is Air. Uh, it's actually one of the newer ones out of the movies, but uh, this is about um, the story of how um, Nike ended up signing Michael Jordan to a shoe deal, and Michael jo- it's it's really brilliantly done. You know, the movie's directed by Ben Affleck and uh, Matt Damon. You know, he has an amazing role in it. I love how they only show you a silhouette of the guy who plays Michael Jordan. And uh, it's just so, like, the way that the story is. I really didn't know too much about it. But uh, it's basically all the uh, the shoe companies trying to fight for Michael's affection. Like, you know, they want to sign him because he's going to be the next big thing. So uh, they... They uh, have a scene in the movie, which I'm not trying to spoil it or anything, but there's like a, uh, it's when they finally, like Nike gets him into a, um, a like a, a conference room and they're showing him a slide on basically what the shoe is going to be like and, you know, what he's going to make off of it or whatever. And Matt Damon stops the slideshow and everyone's sitting in there, like all the, the board is sitting there, you know, like it's like Chris, uh, Chris Tucker and uh, Ben Affleck and uh, Jason Bateman, they're all sitting around and they're like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? We have like Michael Jordan in here with his parents. And he just goes through this thing and he's like, listen, Michael, you're going to be the greatest basketball player of all time. And what's going to happen is the public will build you up only to break you down when you fail. And then you're going to rise up again. And when he's doing this long speech, they're taking real life scenarios that happened to Jordan throughout his life when he became a basketball player. And they're like putting those real images in when he's doing it. And it's just a moving scene because you're like, wow, man, like did this really happen or did they Hollywoodize this? But regardless of the case, it's such a moving scene that um, come ceremony time and like nomination time this year, I I feel that uh, air is going to get, nominated for stuff because uh it it was just so well done um which brings me to my little also my side note i hate when anyone is compared to jordan that's a basketball player because come on there's only one like i understand you know lebron and you know uh kobe bryant they were you know kobe's a 
fantastic basketball player. LeBron is too, dude. But come on, Jordan is the greatest of all time. You know, if you put stat for stat or whatever, like anytime that guy ever stepped onto the court, his team was winning. And when he came back, you know, they built it back up. Like, he, there's only one Jordan, so you can't compare. It's just let's leave it at that. So, um, the last movie that I was going to discuss is The Social Network. Now, The Social Network is about Facebook. And when I first saw this movie, I wasn't really too excited to see about it because I'm like, "Ah, it's going to be a movie about Facebook. How interesting could it be? But was I wrong? Uh, David Fincher and Aaron Sorkin was a great team of directing and screenplay. Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails and Atticus Finch have a uh, a score that drives this movie, which just make it uh, that much more entertaining. And it just shows you, like, the greed that was behind it all. And I don't know. This is just, like, a personal thing. I feel like Facebook is such a great tool to use to communicate and connect. But, man... It just made social interaction so much more awkward. And it just makes people more fake. You know, like, I I like social media because, you know, I put my stuff out there. I like communicating with people that I haven't met before, maybe meeting new friends and stuff. And, you know, great for promotion for my band. And likewise with my friends' bands, you get to see much more. But also... You know too much about people. Like, I could easily run into a friend that I haven't seen from high school in 25 years in the flesh, but I know, I know everything that they're doing. So, like, it's like, hey, what you been up to? Like, I kind of fucking know already because, like, you know, I've seen you posted on your thing, you know. Some people don't post as much. Um, I admit, I'm a Facebook whore. I post everything, you know. I just, I don't know. I like putting it up there, but... It definitely changed that the way everything is. And I don't know if it's a good or bad thing, but it is what it is. So that is my review on those movies and stuff. If you have to check them out, um, please do so. Uh, I give all those, um, every single one of them, five stars. You know, they five five-star rating for me for that. Now... I do have one other movie review that's going to be brief, and I'm only giving this one star, and it's The Meg 2. I watched this the other night. I fucking hate myself that I paid $25 to pay for this piece of shit. Uh, It's directed by Ben Wheatley, and it's starring Jason Statham. Uh, It's I really wish I could name the movie Beg to End because, like, I was just waiting for this movie to end. It's nearly two hours long. And it just took too long for the payoff that wasn't even satisfying. Um, I mean, I just didn't like it. Uh, it. Maybe if they, you know, made it into 90 minutes and just, you know, went the route that had like Piranha, like the remake of Piranha and its sequels approached, like not take itself too seriously. This is just way over the top. Stuff that happens in like the Fast and Furious movies, which I'm not trying to diss those movies. I kind of like some of them, but like, man, this was just so boring and so unrealistic. I know it's about a megalodon and like 
it's already far-fetched to begin with, but just like the shit that like Jason Statham does with this shark is just like, yeah, okay, dude, you wouldn't have been ripped to pieces in two seconds. Like, it's so ridiculous. So, yeah, one star for the Meg 2. Definitely do not rent it, watch it, like, for, on demand or whatever. If you're going to watch it for free, it's already up. It's It's been out of, it's been released three weeks ago. It's already up for rental. So, you can only imagine it's going to be free on whatever soon. So, if you want to wait it out, Probably in three days will be ready for free. You know they'll probably give it to you with uh, a deal with HBO or whatever. So uh, <laughs> with that said, uh, I think it's going to be premiere time for a song. So the featured artist of the week is none other than Demon Scar. We have a new song dropping on Friday, but I couldn't wait. I love Breaking Street Date. Um, this song is called "The Coldest Hell." Just a little backup story about The Coldest Hell. I wrote this song when I was uh, in Milwaukee back in June. Um, I ended up staying at the Ambassador Hotel in the Jeffrey Dahmer suite. I believe it's room 213. Now, uh, it was a interesting I'll talk a little bit about it after the uh, song, but this is the coldest hell. This is uh, Demon Scar, and uh, I hope you like it. Here we go. Have you ever been in a in a Turkish prison? It's all I wanted, nothing, forever 
Demon Scar single. Thanks, Tony. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so um, I like going forward with these tunes now. We're going into different directions and stuff. Um, we're using, like, more Jared on his vocals. You know, Jared, our, our drummer. Phenomenal job he does on this with the, uh, with the drumming. And uh, it's awesome now because now... We're going back and forth, kind of like the me and Craig were doing the dual attack. Now it's like a triple attack with like vocals and stuff. And you know, Jared did a great job with Hands of Kings with the lead vocal on that. And like you know, just going forward, we have some other stuff that he's going to do and showcase his talents with his vocals. And I feel like this is uh, another example of that. So yeah, the coldest hell is going to be out this Friday. And like I said, this was inspired by me staying in the room. Um, Room 213, that's uh, the Jeffrey Dahmer suite at the Ambassador Hotel. Uh, I stayed there when we played Milwaukee Metal Fest. Um, I can't say that I felt any uneasy in there. Uh, I was kind of drunk when I went back. I only stayed there one night. Maybe I would have been there a couple of days. Maybe I would have felt something. But, uh, no, it was just a uh, a cool experience. Um to stay there, I, I can't believe that I was able to get the room. Like I called up, actually on the on the plane, like which you're not supposed to be using the phone call. But I uh, I called up and I was like, "Do you have room two thirteen available?" And they're like, "Let me see." Yeah, we do. So I'm like, "Whoa!" I'm like, "Really?" No one like booked the room, so I had to book it. I had to see, and I got inspired to write those lyrics. And um, I didn't want to be like, all right, yeah, we wrote a song about Jeffrey Dahmer and talk about, you know, eating spleens and pancreases and all that shit and, you know, crazy nonsense. This is more like, uh, I guess, the the loneliness that he felt. And, like, when he – I've said this before, and I hope people don't get the wrong impression of me when I say this, that of, out of all the serial killers, 
if I had to feel remorse for one of them, it's Jeffrey Dahmer because he expressed his remorse. He knew he was a monster. He said he was sorry. 17 people to be sorry for is a little much, but just he owned it. You know, the, he didn't try to be like, you know, um, play the role. He didn't want to uh, be like, yeah, I'm the... I'm a I'm an evil man. Like you're not. I'm not gonna try to assist. He helped them, you know, uncover all the bodies and stuff, and try to bring closure to the family. And uh, I can't say I respect him, but for the the remorse part, I um, I understood his story a little bit better than just the average uh, spree killer or you know serial killer out there. So um, I don't know. Maybe I'm fucked up, but. Uh, so yes, yeah, so speaking about Demon Scar, uh, this is about live music and the state of Long Island. So the other night, I'm sitting home, and now this is not a diss because one of my friends is actually in one of these bands that I'm going to be talking about. Who and he's a he's surrounded himself with phenomenal musicians, um, but there was three Journey tribute bands booked. Within a 10 miles of each other, the Nutty Irishman in Farmingdale, the Jones Beach Bandshell, and the Paramount. Like, three journey bands in 10 miles? I understand, like, people could live off of the, you know, liking 10 songs and hearing them for the rest of their lives, but come on, Long Island, we got to do a little bit better. Like, I know Demon Scar is not for everyone. I know we can't play you know, at like a fucking restaurant and be like, how's your fucking broth? All right, eat it, slurp it down. You know, like, we're not that type of band. But come on, give some original music out there a chance. Like, there's, it's just unbelievable. And these, we're not talking about like, you know, ringy dingy clubs. These are some prime clubs, you know, like the Paramount, the Nutty Irishman, you know, I don't know. I, I'm just thankful that there's clubs and there's bands and there's places that we could play. And, you know, that's going to lead into this. I spoke with Steve Beery recently, and he's into this. He wants to sponsor the, the, the Primal Scream podcast, and he's getting on board with me. So I'd like to thank him for sponsoring me. And this is just not me plugging the club because he is sponsoring me, even though that's part of my dues for doing that but i i appreciate clubs like mr beery's because you know what they gave me a chance they gave my friends a chance and they didn't fold like the mills like the other clubs did when covid was around the mom and pop places didn't fold you know the first place to close was revolution like they were pumping bands in and out of there week after week, making hand over fist. Maybe because there was multiple owners and people backed out and they couldn't keep it going because of the rent or whatever. But with that being said, Mr. Beery's 4019 Hempstead Turnpike in Bethpage, New York. You know what? They give you a shot. Send you send them their music. If you're an original band, send them their music because they'll find a, a night for you. You know, they work with you. Um, I have a great time every time I go there, even when I'm not playing, you know, between the Kevins, the bartenders, you know, my buddies, they're, they're great. John, John, you know, Greg Beery, Steve's in there, you know, sitting in the captain's chair from time to time. 
I'm working actually with Julia on something right now. She's the day weight uh, bartender there. We're going to try to work out some uh, festival coming up. So I always love working with them because they're for Long Island. They're for original music. They're for original uh, artistry, I feel. So with that said, this Friday, Emotional Fallout and Razor's Edge, they're going to be there. On Saturday, they're having a bunch of bands. It's Staleworth. Earth and Elsewhere, Like-Minded Criminals, Weight and Shackle, and Lapel de View. So, again, check out MrBeeries.com. All upcoming shows. It's a great place to hang out, even if you're not going to see the show, because they have other stuff there as well. You know, they have Trivia Night. They have uh, Open Mic Night. You know, those are, that's on Thursdays. So, um, and they have drink specials every single day. So, Go check out Mr. Beery's. While I'm on the uh, the kick right now of uh, sponsorship, I'd also like to talk about Cloud 8, Delta 8. They're an official sponsor of the Primal Scream podcast as well. So if you're going to keep it legal and avoid the streets, due to the simple fact you just don't know what's in anything these days, Delta 8 THC works well because... It results in the feelings of euphoria, happiness, relaxation, without the paranoia and anxiety that comes from Delta 9. So using this product also may be used for medicinal purposes. So for all this info and everything, go to Delta 8, uh, cloud8delta8.com and use Primal 10 to get 10% off your order. Remember, Primal 10, that's the code. You use that, you get 10% off your order. And, uh, yeah, that's great. So um, I'm already prepared because now I'm going to get into the segment of the armchair detective work. So i got to put my hat on because I am a man of many hats, but the Texas Chainsaw one will live in infamy. So this uh, story right now, the United States Courts of Appeals from the Second Circuit has upheld the convictions of former Suffolk County District Attorney, Thomas Spoda and his top aide, Christopher McFarlane, this past Friday. There they are. Right? All right. So these two guys were convicted in December 2019 for corruption charges stemming from their help in a cover-up of a beating of a suspect by police in 2012. Both men were sentenced to five years in prison in 2021, which looks like they're going to be doing the remainder of that time. Now, the cover-up is none other than the world-famous, Long Island-famous, the infamous James Burke. Old Jimmy boy just can't stay out of trouble. Now, this dude is out on the street while these guys covered up and they're still in prison. I don't know what the fuck is going on with this guy, but, like, me and Tony were just talking about this before, and, like, I don't even think, like he was saying to... They have scratched the surface with this guy. Well, anyway, old Jimmy boy was arrested in Farmingville for a sting operation. And he was charged with public lewdness, indecent exposure, criminal solicitation, and offering a sex act. Now, when I first read these charges, um, he was in the, in the, basically he was in the park and he was caught with his pants down, dick out, and he was trying. I guess he was getting with a 
a uh, a sex worker, if you want to be politically correct, and I will say that because sex worker is the new word for the P word. We don't want to talk about that anymore. Well, anyway, he was in the middle of it. So when he got arrested, he was only going to get charged with three. But because he was mortified because he got caught, he had offered to give the arresting officer a blowjob to get off. Yes. He told the officer, I will blow you if you let me go. So that's why he was charged with a fucking sex act, offering a sex act. Now, look, I don't have anything against that if that's what you want to do, but it's just great to add that to the resume. Like, how much of a rat weasel fuck do you have to be? Now, all of a sudden, you're... Please don't lock me up. I'll give you a blowjob. You know, like, dude, like, what is going on? Why aren't they looking more into this? Getting back to the whole Rex thing. There is no way. I'm going on record right now, and I've gone on before. There is no way that Rex Huerman is the only man that's involved with the murders of these victims that they found in Gilgo. Burke is involved. Look into Burke. You know, like, what is it going to take? What is it going to take? Like, I feel like we're dealing with, not to go off the, t- off the topic or whatever, you have your criminal that's building a case right now. Kind of like how these spree shooters, when they have guns and they come up on the FBI, they let them go. They let them go until they do their final act. Stop this guy before anyone else ends up dead or whatever. He's not a good guy. Just please look into him. Like, I don't know what it's going to take, but unbelievable. He's back in. It's just like when OJ, when OJ got away with murder, because I believe he did kill Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman. He couldn't stay out of trouble. And he ended up doing seven years or eight years in, in prison Granted, it wasn't killing somebody, but he went back and he drew guns and he stole back his Heisman because they were selling it, which he lost anyway because it was in a civil case. So whoever got that Heisman, I believe it was the Goldman family, ended up selling it to somebody, and now someone else was selling it, but he wanted his shit back. So thinking that he's above the law and with his narcissistic ways, He ended up going into a hotel in Vegas, and he got busted. And I feel like the judge, when they sentenced him, um, were making him pay for his sins that he did not get busted for back in the day. I feel like Burke is going to do that. Burke is going to continue to just rub himself in the face of all of us and get away with everything that he possibly can until the point where he can't when he goes over the line. Don't let him go over the line. You already got him. Look more into him. I I don't know how much more I have to say about that, but like I'm very like, you know, I'm agitated. I'm a little aggravated about that, you know. Ugh. I didn't want this to turn into a whole like uh, you know, me bashing, you know, Suffolk County police or anything like that. I think they're doing a great job with this new investigation, the open case right now with, uh, they're doing, you know, looking into the whole, uh, you know, to the wreck stuff and, um, giving you a step by step. I feel like they need that. 
they need to get their name back up there. They got to get the respect back. And believe me, I think by putting this guy away for a couple of dozen years or whatever, I think that would be a nice uh, nudge in that uh, direction if they uh, they could get something to stick on him. Like I don't know what else they need though. Like I think that uh, they have to be able to trace him to the Shannon Gilbert thing. That poor girl, man, she's still not talked about. You know, I've been thinking about it too. Um, you know, going forward with this podcast and everything, and my whole purpose of it. Yeah, I want to keep people entertained, but I also want to serve a purpose and everything. And like, I think I want to have John Ray, the attorney of um, of Shannon Gilbert, on my show. I see that he does appearances and stuff, so I will contact him because I, I'd like to to talk to him. And and let you guys hear it from his mouth too, you know he. Um, I feel like he that poor girl's like never gonna get her justice because it was covered up by Burke and his cronies. And I don't know. I feel like that was just served on a, a silver platter them for them to cover it up. I feel like that was the easiest one to like come to a final uh, determination on how she died and where she died, you know. Just when I went to go see him speak at that library a couple of weeks ago, um, it just got me re... Uh, I don't know. I can't say um, ignited, or, but more interested. Like, I just I, I just want that poor girl to uh, to be able to rest easy, you know, because... I feel like again she's put on the back burner. They're gonna go through, you know, the first four. Uh, you know, right now it's three that he's uh, tied to Rex Uerman. but you know they're starting to identify some other bodies. They identified Jay uh, Jane Doe Medford the other day, and um, again, you know, there's no talk of her. So like she's always on the back burner. I'm gonna talk more about uh, actually the the Burke whole tale. Uh, this upcoming Thursday, I've been invited back to uh, the My True Crime uh, Obsession podcast with uh, Christine. Uh, I was kind of excited. She uh, she hit me up the other day, and I said yes. So we're going to be doing that at uh, 5.30 on uh, Thursday, and we're going to talk about, basically, we're going to talk about these new charges, and we're also going to talk about, like, the history of uh, of Burke and, like, you know, how he got involved with Suffolk County from the beginning. So uh, I didn't really want to talk too much about it tonight. But, you know, once I hear that name, it just sets off, man. It's just like pushing a button. I have to go and give my two cents about it. Um, This weekend, um, I'm going to bring this all to a, uh, a, a close. This weekend is the final audition for the uh, the Schmitz Farm. That's where I limelight as the uh, as the butcher. Um, they're holding um, auditions on Sunday at one p.m. So um, definitely check that out. SchmitzFarmHaunt.com. Um, I wish I had some graphic to go along with that, but I do not. But that's okay. Uh, I can always put a link on this video. And um, I could um, gu- uh, guide you there. But, yeah, that's uh, 
that's always a fun time. That's how usually my Octobers are spent at the uh, the Schmitz family farm haunt. And again, you know, that's where I met my good friend Mike. Um, we had some great uh, years there. Oh, you, you got something coming up there, Tony? Uh, yeah, I'm working on it. Was, yeah. All right, that's cool. Yeah, whatever, man. One of those is cool. That's cool. A little no graphic in there. Respect. So yeah, they're uh, like I said, one o'clock on uh, on Sunday. They're going to uh, host another uh, audition and uh, see if you got what it takes to scare the Schmidt out of people. You get to hang out with me. I'm going to be working there uh, five or six nights this uh, this season. And actually, I'm going to have a special guest with me one night. And that's Zozo. She wants to be, she's been wanting to do this. I wasn't sure if she's ready. I feel now she's ready. So she's going to be the butcher's daughter. And we're going to go in there. We're going to tag team people. And uh, it's going to be funny, man. I, I wish I could just watch her in action because she's a character herself. And I think she's going to do an amazing job. And I'm just going to, uh, you know, live for the moment and enjoy that. And um, It's... It was it was a very hard week, but being able to hang out with those people this week, you know, my good friends Scott and Kelly and Lou and, uh, you know, Taylor, Yesenia, we, we all went out afterwards after uh, Mike's uh, services and stuff, and uh, it was good just to uh, comfort each other, man, because, you know, like I said, he was a, uh, he was a close friend of mine. And uh, I I am gonna miss him. That that going to the Schmitz farm for me is always a great time. And now it's even uh, to carry on his legacy that he's he's left there is always uh, something. Um, with that being said, uh, just a little bit to end on a serious note. Listen, if times are tough, I get that. You know, everyone has their demons. I talk about my demons very vocal. You know, all the time. And uh, I feel like that's my way of uh, of doing that. Some people can't do that. Some people hold it in. But um, I, I don't... I feel like if you need to talk about it and you are shameful to talk about it or you just don't want to talk about it in person because it's hard stuff, I get that. Um, you could always call or text 988. That's... Um, the suicide prevention hotline. Uh, it's open 24 hours. So um, do that, you know, because you don't you don't understand, like, you know, like maybe what you're feeling right now, you're not going to feel that in a couple months or maybe even the next day. But, you know, if you reach out, there are professionals that can help you and talk about it. I know if I didn't talk about stuff, I would go absolutely insane. And, uh, guys, I appreciate everyone tuning in. Uh, I love doing this show. It's so great. And I'm looking forward to doing more. Again, thank you so much for uh, giving me your time tonight. This is Primal Scream with Nick Greystone, and the Nizza is out. Thank you for listening to Primal Scream. I'm Nick Greystone, a.k.a. the Nizza. Each week, Primal Scream is produced by Tony Walker and executive produced by Demon Scar. Always remember, nobody writes your story but you. Later. Yeah.